Hey, it's Vibe with the Army of Game Changers podcast, and I've got a question for you. Have you ever heard about this idea called Switch to Zero? If not, you're about to hear what surfer shaper Ryan Harris is working on to eliminate the toxic waste that comes from manufacturing surfboards. You may not believe what you're about to hear, but I assure you, it's groundbreaking. And if you love to surf and care about the ocean, you need to pay attention to what may soon become one of the biggest breakthroughs to come out of the surf industry. So kick your feet up or put the car in cruise control for the next 30 minutes, and let's hear what Ryan has to say about his program. All right, so Ryan, look, let's let's start at the beginning. How did you, you get your start in shaping? Okay, I will give you a... Uh, try not to do a long story made longer. We'll try, try and keep it short and concise because it's a long one. Um, I originally grew up in Oregon. I was born and raised in Portland. Uh, my parents were both teachers. They're now retired. But uh, I was basically always an environmentalist. I just didn't know it growing up. Uh, I learned how to water ski when I was three. I started snow skiing when I was four or five. And, you know, growing up in Portland, you got Mount Hood an hour away. You got the Pacific Ocean two hours away. And my dad was an avid fisherman, so I would fish in the ocean and then on the lakes and rivers and blah, blah, blah. But I did not surf. I did not grow up as a surfer because there really was no surf culture where I grew up. It was just too gnarly. The Oregon coast is rugged, big waves, and there weren't any shops. And so, you know, back then there was no internet, there was no surf cams, none of that. So it just was not, I didn't know about it. Um, but along the way, I was a Nike guy. I worked for Nike. Um pretty much a mentor of mine who I did pole vault in high school. He was an Olympic pole vault athlete. Uh, and they, they call him the godfather now at Nike. He's a, one of their head designers, but basically put helped put Nike on the map with regard to the signature athlete. He did the Jordan brand. He did all the Jordans and some of the most, not all of them, but a lot of them. So mentor, groomed me to work for Nike, got a great degree, product design degree, out of college, went to work at Nike. Hated it. I'm an artist. Born this way. Born super creative. Didn't like the corporate structure. Didn't resonate with me. So essentially, I moved down here and dried out. I, I like to tell people I got soggy. I spent 21, 22 years in the Pacific Northwest getting rained on, you know, nine months out of the year. And I moved down here to dry out. But along that, I fell in love with surfing as soon as I got here. I did a little bit in college. It was more like a rites of passage type thing where you just party on the weekend, go to the coast with your boys and try and surf. But um, so that is how I got started in, in surfing. Uh, I moved down here when I was 21, 22 and got hooked and started. It started as me just doing repairs on my own boards. I'm not very little. I tend to go through stuff and beat my boards up. So it started off just doing repairs, and then it started as a hobby shaping them. And this was all within the first year of me moving to LA. And so uh, catch up now, that was 17 years ago, and um, what was a hobby became a full-time gig. Um, I owe a lot of that credit to the wifey who basically put her foot in my butt and said, hey, quit, quit goofing off. You're good at what you do, pursue it full-time. And so quit the day job. I basically was bartending to fund the surfing habit <laughs> and so that I could shape like on the weekends and shape part time. But once she said, you know, I got you uh, do this, uh, that's what I did. And so very shortly after that, I, I, I did a, a change, a major change in, in terms of the environmental thing. And we'll, we'll get into that. But um, yeah, so that is the long answer 
to how I got involved in surfing and the surfing industry. Awesome. What a cool story. I mean, I love hearing that you started at Nike and you got into shaping. Most shapers get into it at a very early age. Mm -hmm. You were a little bit of a late comer to yep. it. But obviously, some of the the lessons you learned at like Nike played uh -huh. into uh -huh. your movement into shaping, yep. and also the thinking that you're putting into it as well. So look, let's let's jump into why I'm here. Yeah. Okay, I read about this idea of eliminating waste out of the surfboard factory. I've been reading about it, and I was curious, just going, is this really true? Because I know I've been a surfer for more than 35 years. Uh -huh. I know how much waste comes out yeah. of the surfboard. I know how toxic surfboard uh, uh, products are to the right. environment from the resin, the foam, yep. everything like that. So how is it that we are now possibly on the verge of zero waste with our surfboard manufacturing? Well, it's for a number one, it's a huge step. Uh, I, I, a second step. Um, I made the first step about 10 years ago when um, the, the eco resin in its infancy was shown to me and I didn't care that it was yellow. You know, it looked like sap. It looked really amber in nature. Well, there's a negative connotation with yellow in surfboards because what does an old surfboard look like? An old beat up surfboard is yellow. So it needs to be bright white. So 10 years ago, we weren't there yet. Now, fast fast forward to now, the resin's beautiful. It's awesome. It's from a per performance, you know, standpoint, it is superior. And a lot of other things that we make these sustainable eco boards with are insanely strong. Uh, performance attributes are through the roof, better flex, better strength. Um, and, you know, essentially for me, that's that's in the name. It's synonymous with eco-friendly earth technologies, right? Um, but basically, so we do the eco board thing. And I've been doing the eco board thing for 10 years. I've been making a product more sustainable based on the materials we use. But uh, I kind of had a light bulb moment last year that was, okay, well, cool. I might be the EcoBoard guru. I've been doing it longer than anybody. But I still am in line with everybody else in terms of my waste streams. Uh, I might have reduced my carbon footprint by using eco materials, but I still am making a ton of waste that cannot, there's no end cap. It can't be recycled. It all ends up in the same place, in the landfill. Um, so we started to, well, there's a couple programs in place that help reduce some of our waste. That's a start, but it's not good enough. So we've got the, um, waste to waves program and that's through sustainable surf with Marco foam. And so any EPS offcuts of blanks get recycled and densified and put back into new blanks. So they actually make the only recycled recycled blank on the market. And we so we've been involved with that program for a couple of years, which is great. But that doesn't get rid of my shaping dust because they can't take the fine shaping dust or anything that's contaminated with with stringer dust. Uh, that doesn't get rid of my veneer scrap or, you know, those are minor things. What about all the the excess resin? The resin bombed name it, fiberglass squeegees, brushes, stir sticks, you know, everything goes in the trash. So um, what started originally as a pipe dream is actually now a reality. And we are in the midst of this switch to zero. I actually currently am not putting any more trash into the landfill. We um, so, yeah, to, to break that down further, because it's pretty complicated. But um, basically, 
We're launching three different systems simultaneously to get us to zero waste. And I already alluded to one, which is the Waste to Waves program that recycles the the five, uh, excuse me, the foam, the EPS, and styrofoam. But um, now uh, the other waste stream. So we take each room of the production facility kind of as a case by case basis and look at that waste stream of said room. So the shaping room is pretty simple because it's basically just dust. Okay. So shaping dust, EPS dust and stringer contaminants. There is a system already in place called the Living Earth Systems through the, uh, basically this really rad human, Eddie Garcia, who owns and runs the Living Earth Systems. This is a network of mealworms and other critters that actually eat, I'm not kidding, they eat the foam and their excrement is organic soil. They basically have a, an internal gas. Cause I was like, there's no way this is possible. I saw a video, I didn't believe it. But basically, how can, or, how can an organic life form take something toxic and then convert it into something organic? And that's what they do. So it's really, really cool, and I love talking about it because they're going to save the planet. When you look at the number one pollutants on the planet in the oceans, you see plastic bottles floating and styrofoam floating. And critters eat that. Mammals eat it. They die. It's just, it sucks. It's sad. And this is... This is going to save one of the gnarliest problems on the planet, and I'm really stoked to be part of it. And so that system in my factory, that eliminates all of our shaping waste. So they'll eat wood also. So what we do, you know, they'll, you know we have all of our um, planers hooked up to a vacuum system, and once it fills up, we just put that in another bag, label it mealworm food, and off it goes to Eddie and the Living Earth Systems. And then they'll also, any paper... Uh, so old order cards and veneer, I'll run it through my shredder, and now that's mealworm food as well. So that's the first program. Uh, now, back to what I said just a second ago about case-by-case uh, -case basic basis each room. So we'll, we'll now take the, the, the other main production room, the glassing room, um, and we have resin sticks with, with you know, stir sticks with resin on them, paper towels. So anything wood-based goes into a bin. And then we have the drip trays. So we have drip trays that catch all the excess resin off boards. And that builds up when we've got resin chips. That goes into a, another container. And then you have the fiberglass. Clean fiberglass with no resin on it. We actually currently already upcycle that. We sent it up to Push Fins in Portland. And he makes basically the most eco-fins on the planet. He uses uh, uh, recycled skateboard decks, scrap fiberglass from shapers like myself, and then the, the bio-epoxy makes these really cool surfboard fins. Um, so that's another way. And so basically we categorize all these things. So rather than just having all of my crap, all my trash in one lump sum in a bin and tossing it, we categorize it, which is recycling 101, breaking down the plastic bottles, the beer bottles, the glass bottles, all that. So we categorize everything. And so how do we get to zero waste? So I still have all this waste. Well, we use the same recycling machines that said recycling plant down the street uses to recycle cans, glass, plastic. So they're heavy duty, some pretty gnarly equipment, but heavy duty um, industrial grinders and particle reducers. So said waste stream that's already categorized and sorted goes into a top feed machine. It gets shredded down into little particles about half the size of a dime. Okay, so it's about densifying the waste. So we've done that. Now it goes into the particle reducer and that densifies it to the smallest waste stream we currently have, which was the sanding dust. 
in the sanding room, which is a fine powder. So now I've got this consistent waste stream, densified waste stream of essentially mixed stuff, gloves, everything's gonna be ground down into this little powder. So we mix it with the sanding dust, we add resin and infuse it into a mold, into a usable product, rather than just making a tile or something, you know, that is not gonna be a usable surf product. You could mix it with concrete and maybe or asphalt and put it on a road, something like that. But I want this to be functional, right? I want surfers and other like-minded folks, environmentalists, to be in, in tune with this because we, we're going to make a usable product out of all of our trash. So now you think about this system, you think about all my waste streams. I have an endless supply of a composite core because all that waste, it's got structure. The fiberglass, the wood, that stuff is all relatively strong on a smaller level. So you add resin to it. And in the form of a mold, you have usable products. We have hand planes, fin cores, and we're going to scale up and eventually do skateboards and some other cool stuff. But it's all going to be usable. And, going, you know, talking about the whole circular analysis, it's going back into the boards. It's going back into the product. And then the, the kicker is we're launching uh, the third system, which is the, uh, the board recycling and deposit program, which is really cool because... We've already figured out now a way to internalize and put an end cap on our trash. But one of the other big problems in this industry is broken boards. Where do they go? They're not getting recycled. They're going in the landfills. You know? And the resin, even, even the eco boards, there's a biodegradation cycle in the resin. That's great. But what about the fiberglass shell that it's in? What about the wood stringer that's, you know, surrounded by EPS foam? Well, that's not going to break down right away. In the landfill, we're talking about stuff that's, you know, if it's fiberglass, it's permanent. If it's a plastic fin box, it's permanent. It's never going to break down. So people will bring in said broken board or something that they're just sick of. We, you know, we don't shred it, but we take off the fiberglass shell. Now, if the blank's intact, we can reshape it into a new board. If it's mangled or broken, we'll, we'll shape it into hand planes. And then if there's a wooden stringer, the mealworms get that. Um, if the blank's big enough, we'll, we'll send just the raw EPS to the recycling system in place with Marco. And then that fiberglass shell goes through the same shredding process and gets densified into a composite core and gets turned into a hand plane or something. It's, it's really cool. So that's something that we're launching that's going to be anybody. Anybody could come in here with an epoxy board and we'll break it down and we'll actually probably even give them like a credit i think we're we're, we're working with and we're going to do a give back to a couple nonprofits with part of that so it's it's i'm it's really really big it's huge yeah yeah and, look this this sounds incredible and i have so many questions rolling <laughs> through my mind but yeah. you've articulated it so well I really like the fact that you've looked at every touch point of the shaping process mm -hmm. from the shaping room to the glassing to the waste and everything. And you've really looked at how can you eliminate waste at every touch point of the shaping yep. process. But here's the bigger thing that I'm seeing is that this is a new economy mm -hmm. that is coming up as well. There's these partners that uh -huh. you have on the outside of shaping that are going to generate revenue. This is a new business model. Yep. And that's a game changer. It is. It is an absolute game changer. So look, let's let's circle back because I'm really interested in this process of the mealworms and this whole switch to zero concept. Okay. Walk me through. You shape a board. You have pieces that are coming off of it in the mm -hmm. foam. It gets sent to the mealworms. How many 
boards? How how fast does that work to break down? <laughs> okay. Well, so so regarding that that system, the Living Earth Systems, because honestly, when when I was when I caught word of it, when I was introduced to Eddie. I thought it was a joke. I seriously thought that he showed me a little video of the worms breaking down styrofoam, eating it. I thought it was CGI. I was like, there's no way this is possible, right? And then he came up here. I met him. He took two bags of my shaping dust off the vacuum that we've then just dumped into what would normally go in the dumpster. So he takes these two, I think they're like 32-gallon bags or whatever, so 64 cubic gallons of shaping waste, which is roughly... That's probably like 12 or 13 boards, short boards, okay? And that's basically shaping dust, stringer dust, whatever. And he comes back a couple weeks later with this big mason jar, probably like a gallon-sized mason jar with some mealworms in it. And in the bottom, it's like two to three inches of this soil. And that was my shaping dust. Light bulb, like blown away, dropped the mic. I, I was just shocked and really stoked at the same time because I, I, I knew what it meant. So what you're telling me is that roughly 64 ounces of or surfboard... Gallons. 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 Right, 64 gallons. Cubic gallons. Cubic gallons of surfboard waste mm -hmm. were chewed up by mealworms in a, in a week mm -hmm. and converted into a small offering of... Organic soil. Organic soil. <laughs> it's crazy. What happened to that soil? So I'm sure he put it on his farm and grew something out of it. But basically, I mean, he also, so he shows up and he's got this squash that was grown in, in soil and mealworm poop. Uh, you know, it, it's crazy. And it, so here's the, here's the real thing that, that happened when he showed me that is, you know, we use a lot of different organic, you know, glassing materials, sustainable materials that we laminate with. Flax being one of them. Flax, you know, as in flax seeds you put in a smoothie. So we have an organic flax you know, product we use. So it's on a board. We recycle that board. The foam then goes to the mealworms. It gets broken down to organic soil. You then plant flax seeds in that organic soil and you grow your own freaking material that you make boards with. Bamboo, different veneers. I, I mean, it's just absolutely crazy. So it's it's really cool. So first circle, full circle, looking at the, the life cycle analysis, this is just absolutely through the roof. So you're saying at some point in the future, shapers will be able to grow their own materials. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's another company we're working with right now called Agave Surf, and they harvest the, the dead wood of the agave plant. So once, when they harvest it for basically tequila, um, there's a stalk that grows, right? And it's basically dead wood. It's, it's very similar to balsa. Uh, it's actually lighter and stronger and more prevalent, those things are like weeds. It's, it's the agave plant is everywhere, right? And um, so they're harvesting these things. And right now we're using some of those offcuts of theirs to help them reduce their waste as stringers or I'll glue up, kind of look, looks like a hardwood floor, I'll glue up a little panel and we'll make hand planes out of it. But growing agave, there you go, in mealworm poop. <laughs> it's just, it's cool. It's so cool. And what I love about this project is I'm not patenting it. It's something that's scalable. It's something that we can show the industry that other people can start doing. And then looking outside of our industry, maybe other industries can use this same model. You know, it's very cool. And it's a big, it's a very, very big thing. And it's really important, which is why you could probably hear the passion in my voice is I want the masses to see this and be part of it. Yeah, I mean, look, I can hear the passion in your voice clearly. I am blown away just being here in your shaping bay and having seen 
the mealworms in action, I still can't believe <laughs> it's it. It's so nuts. It just sounds too good to be yeah. true. But you've clearly done your homework, and you're not allowing the challenges to get in your way. You're right. you're looking for ways to overcome those challenges. Right. Look, what's what's the challenge then? I mean, how? Well, the challenge a number one: the surf industry is tough. It's very tough. Um, we can just real quick look at look at my business model for my own labels. I've got my non-sup line in my name right here is shapes and then i've got the sup line uh h2sup and i had to keep those separate because of the whole stigma attached to sup well most sups are made overseas and they're made overseas for a reason because a lot of glass shops in domestically can't accommodate boards that size well and it's it's the cost that's it that's why so many companies have gone overseas because it's the cost um that being said, it's the same with the surfboard model. And most shops, a lot of people don't know this, a lot of consumers and board buyers, you know, general board buying public doesn't know this, but most shops, the boards from said major label are on consignment. And that was a major shift that happened about three years ago, and it absolutely killed the small guys. If you are not a top 10 brand, how can you afford to float boards that you're paying the labor on and the materials on ahead of time? And in big batches, let's say you're in five shops, 10 shops, and you have to put all those boards on consignment where you're not getting a cent until they sell? Well, the only, it's it's not a scalable model. The only people that can afford to do that are the big dogs, which is why when you go to said surf shop, you see one of five brands there. It has pushed out the smaller label. And I'm not even talking about garage sabers. There's, there's shapers all over the planet that have been doing it for 20, 30, 40 years that are now no longer in these shops because they can't afford to be. And it's just dead wrong. And I'm very passionate about that. I don't name labels that have allowed that to happen because I don't feel that that's fair. But it, for me, my job and using my platform, I can at least help educate the consumer. Um, I don't even know if I answered your question, but that's just that at my core is something that has been on my chest for a long time. And every time I have the um, opportunity to voice my opinion on it, I kind of have to. Yeah, look, uh, look, that's fine. I mean, the shaping industry has had its pa had its challenges. Yeah, that's it, one of the problems, though. With with so that's one of the reasons. Like, you don't see me pushing shortboards because the shortboard market is oversaturated. But what I do push is my environmental message and the eco boards. And I will work with anybody that cares about the environment. And one of the things that's, that's cool is over the years. This model of eco boards, it's been proven. I work with everybody. We've worked with Channel Islands, Lost, Roberts, Morris Cole, countless other labels on the shortboard side, and then lots of labels on the sub, uh, the sub side as well, where it's you know it's private label. And as I work with more labels and see that they're receptive to change, that's a good thing for our industry, and that helps push the the greater issue of bringing production back from overseas and so that's that's you know one of the problems i guess is what the answer is of 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 the industry and it being not so receptive to change but now it is green is finally in so it's not that big of an issue anymore and the materials we work with have evolved and gotten so much better my biggest issue right now is how do i how does this message of zero waste reach the masses and how do i fund it because it's just me. I don't have deep pockets. I'm a poor shaper, right? Mm -hmm. I'm a poor board builder. I'm basically a starving artist who has um, 
come into something huge and essentially invented something huge and trying to fund it has been one of the big questions. So the answer to that is, is the Kickstarter campaign that we're, we're running right now. Yeah, we're gonna, I'm going to jump into that a little bit later with the Kickstarter project and everything because I want people to hear about that. Look, I think one of the challenges that you are operating in an industry that is challenged in and of mm-hmm. itself. Shaping surfboard manufacturing has always been this dark cloud in the industry. And part of it is the waste element to yep. it, but you've also got this this um, career of you know uh, craftsmanship yeah which is very difficult it's going to machines and mm-hmm. you know the small guy is being pushed out and everything but what you've created here and you said it earlier I really like this open source thinking mm-hmm. to where anybody whether you're a backyard shaper or one of the large brands you can be part of this new economy that you, are championing, so to say. Uh-huh. It doesn't matter if you have surfboard waste, there is now a place to send it where it won't end up in the landfill. Right. right. I mean, that's the thing. What's even crazier is we're working with other companies to help them reduce their carbon footprint. We'll take other companies' scrap. I've got some samples in here for a, a local wetsuit company. We're going to start using their neoprene somehow. You know, it might be small with hand plane straps, but knowing me, I'll try and freaking make a hand plane out of the actual neoprene. So, you know, and like working with the agave guys, uh, getting their waste. I mean, I already told you we're going to be infusing resin with said waste streams in a powderized form, mixing them together and making a composite core. So now I can take essentially their sawdust, their agave sawdust from milling those, and we can have composite agave cores. Like, it's just that it's endless possibilities. I'm I was gonna say, super it, fired up about it. Yeah, I was going to say, it does sound like endless possibilities. You've covered a lot of areas of where you can see improvements that mm-hmm. can be made. What's still left to be figured out? What is, is there anything in this process and the steps? What's still missing? Um, scale. Scale. Scalability is one thing. Um, I, I don't know the capacity of the mealworm farm exactly. I know that, you know, as this story grows and the industry takes hold of it and the green industry takes hold of it or the green sector takes hold of it, it's, you know, it's a solution. But again, we have to scale. As more and more people find out about it, we're, we're going to have to scale. Who knows? Maybe I need a, a secondary facility. Where it, it's just the recycling center. Right, the board recycling center. We have multiple. Sounds like a business model. We, we have multiple grinders set up and stuff like that. But for right now, we're doing it in our in our board manufacturing facility. We're putting the the industrial shredders in the one dust room in the sanding room where they're going to be housed. But you know, this is just the blueprint. I've said it before. This is the test kitchen. This is the eco test kitchen. Well, this is also the blueprint for the switch to zero. This is how we do it. We show everybody uh, here at Earth Technologies. This is how you can change. This is just the first iteration of it. There will be others. I'm sure that, you know, a year from now, I'll, fi- I'll have figured some things out. But something as simple as me analyzing every little bit of waste in here. You know, it happened uh, about a month ago. Oh, I was like, oh, you know, we've got metal. We've got razor blades. We've got some aerosol cans and stuff. Even like the, um, the bristle holders on the brushes, the collars, that's metal. Oh, what do I do with the metal? Take it to a metal recycling place. We don't need to, you know, grind that stuff. I'm not trying to grind metal. That means a whole other 
machine that's way too expensive. But yeah, figuring that little hiccup out, you know, little things like that. So it's an evolving project. Um, and as as we get better with the, the infusion process, our waste stream products are going to get more dialed in and cooler and we're going to scale up. I got some stuff up my sleeve I can't talk about yet. But, you know, the goal is to eventually be able to make an entire board somehow. Um, not just key components that go as accessories with said board, but maybe actually infusing an entire board out of waste streams and stuff. So um, I got some stuff lined up that's going to be really rad, but for right now we're keeping it small with the waste stream products. And so, yeah, that's, that's really it is, you know, yeah, it's going to take time to wire the machines and stuff like that, but the solution's there and I know how to do it. Well, look, you got to start somewhere. Yeah. And obviously you have started somewhere. Yeah. Look at where we are from what you said 10 years ago when mm-hmm. people weren't into the yellow resin. Yep. Now look at where we are. The things that you just mentioned, 10 years in all honesty, seems like a very short time. Yeah, no, it, it, it's, it's crazy. It absolutely, I guess it's the golden age of the green industry and the surf industry. It's a, it's a renaissance, I think, yep. for the surfing industry yeah. and surfboard shaping. And yep. what an opportunity to lead in other industries as mm-hmm. well to show what we're doing. Look, you just mentioned something about getting to the point where, you know, a, you have a surfboard that you can make from recycled materials through and yeah. through. Look, sign me up for the first one. Right. So, okay, so I'm, yeah. I'm putting that down. I'm your first purchaser uh, of that technology. Look, um, let's let's get you back in shaping and everything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, where, what what can people do? What is your, what is your message to shapers or surfboard manufacturers, what can they do to help you with this cost? Well, the first thing they can do is, honestly, they can start analyzing their own waste streams. Um, I know we're in an industry that's not receptive to change. Um, I can't convince shapers to just stop shaping poly and go to EPS. I actually shape a very few poly boards, and that waste, you know, I don't want to come out and say, yeah, we're going to recycle your poly boards. Because it's not good for the people around it. The poly, especially the resin. So we're not right now going to take on recycling those types of boards. We're going to recycle EPS and epoxy boards because currently the EPS can get recycled because it's styrofoam. You can keep recycling it. You can keep it out of the landfill. But we the, the technology does not exist right now to break down a polyfoam board. So my message to you know my kin, my brothers that shape... Uh, figure out a way, figure out a way to upcycle your waste. I, I've already mentioned all the tools and without, you know, I don't, I don't want to be, you know, in, in a situation where we're taking everyone's waste and I've got more waste, you know, I've got so much space dedicated to waste in here that it's, it's cutting into our, our board building, you know, but, um, how people can help and contribute and spread the word is, you know, we launched a Kickstarter to get the word out there to build the buzz and that's how you can contribute. That is the best way. And where can people go to contribute? Um, What's the literally just go on Kickstarter? It's called the switch switch to zero. First the surfboard and paddleboard zero waste factory. It's on there. It's hard to miss. Uh, they already made it a project we love, so that's pretty cool. Uh, there's a live link on our website, earthtechsurf.com. It's the first thing you see on the homepage, you click it, it takes you right to the to the Kickstarter campaign page campaign page. Um, it's pretty much everywhere you can find out about Earth Technologies, it's there. 
So it's on our Facebook page. It's on our Instagram. There are direct links all to it, driving the traffic to uh, to the Kickstarter campaign. And um, I think what's really cool about if people don't know about Kickstarter, I'll just briefly explain it. What's really cool about it is it's crowdsourcing, crowdfunding, um, and people see something they like that resonates with them, and they back it with a small pledge. And it's it's basically all or nothing. So you you set your funding goal. If you don't hit that goal, you don't get any of the money. If you hit that goal, you get the money. Um, and it, it's for a good cause. It's going to help offset and pay for said machines that we have to get. And yeah, I'm a little worried about that because they're kind of pricey and I'm going to have to wire them up. But what's very cool is... I have a wealth of knowledge of building eco boards, and some of these rewards are eco boards, and they're also some of the things that we're already making out of our waste streams. We're gonna have, uh, not gonna have, we have the agave I had mentioned earlier, the the agave offcuts from agave surf. I've got an agave hand plane on there that we're currently making, and that's really cool. That's a reward. The little green lines, we're calling them green lines fins. Those are actually fins made from our waste streams out of excess resin and fiberglass that get foiled down into really cool custom little tiny like trailer fins or center fins or whatever they're on there but showing an existing product that we're already making out of our waste is is what's really cool and those are some of the rewards uh for for people and there's even there's even some lifestyle stuff on there because not everybody that's going to back it is a surfer so i was just trying to think outside the box what would somebody that has nothing to do with surfing like coaster keychain so we've even that we've got that stuff on there. And for the, the people that really want to, you know, be champions of this, I've got a, a pretty high end reward, but it's for a SUP package. And we, you know, SUP for me is sustainable upright paddleboard. So um, there's that. But yeah, that is the best way to contribute is to tell the story, help get it out there. You know, we're using Kickstarter as a platform, as a vehicle to get this story out there. And that's the best way. Awesome. Well, look, I needed to come here to find out by my, for myself what you were working on. Thanks for explaining it. Yeah. This is amazing. I'm knowledgeable. I've already contributed to the Kickstarter campaign. Yeah. And Stoked. Yeah, good luck with that. Thank and, you. Uh, yeah, let's see, let's see what the future holds for yeah. shaping, and let's switch to zero. Yeah, let's do it. Switch to zero is on.